the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. Boy, CNN wants this one really bad. Oh, they have it. They claim they own it. CNN and the New York Times really want this to turn into something that uh, at least at least gives Democrats cover to vote to impeach President Trump in the House. Uh, The latest example of this, the the Chiron I'm looking at right now. Ambassador Trump ordered diplomats to work with Giuliani on Ukraine. Uh huh. Uh, That ambassador, Gordon Sundland, also said I was never asked to uh, uh, well, this is Kurt uh, uh, Volker previously said Kurt Volker. I was never asked to do anything that I thought was wrong, including by the United States president. That's Volker testifying on Wednesday, according to CBS News, uh, even as he concer- it was concerned that this was the relation was getting sucked into domestic political uh, concerns. But never asked to do anything I considered wrong, including by the president. That's sort of a, a uh, exculpatory statement, which is why Jim Jordan wants the full transcript of Kurt Volker's testimony released. Why not? I and mean, we're in the business of releasing transcripts these days, so why not in have regards- Kurt Volker's uh, transcript released? Gordon Sunland saying the same thing, exactly, uh, essentially, the ambassador to Ukraine, uh, even as they're sort of setting up uh, Rudy G, uh, perhaps, as the uh, center of attention, and maybe deservedly so, could have been that the president relied on Rudy G to his detriment, much like he did Michael Cohen for all of those years. But we'll see. And Sunlin was very relaxed when he was walking in, you know, walking on the Capitol into his closed door hearing. Why was it important for you to show up here today? It's always important to show up when Congress calls. Are you here to salvage your reputation, sir? I don't have a Excuse reputation to salvage. Uh, okay, Ray Donovan. Uh, we were di- we were disappointed by the president's direct- direction that we involved Gi- Giuliani, Sondland said. So there again, Giuliani, because he believed, you know, re- relying on the Foreign Service officers and so on and so forth. But um, he uh, suggested that um, he, while he disagreed with that, he followed it nonetheless, but he also doesn't see there there and the call that he had with President Trump about any quid pro quo, as was recounted in those text exchanges with uh, Taylor, Bill Taylor, and suggests the president told him there's no no quid pro quo. So the president said there was no quid pro quo. The Ukrainian president Zelensky said there was no quid pro quo because he didn't even know uh, the military aid was being withheld. So now they have to move on to Mick Mulvaney, who says there was a quid pro quo if you listen to CNN or The New York Times. But here's what Mick Mulvaney said, actually in a rare briefing on the topic yesterday. There's an ongoing investigation by our Department of Justice into the 2016 election. I can't remember the person's name. Um, The Durham. The Durham, okay? That's an ongoing investigation, right? So you're saying the President of the United States, the chief law enforcement person, cannot ask somebody to cooperate with an ongoing public investigation into wrongdoing? 
That's 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 just bizarre to me that you would think that you can't do that. And so so you would say that it's fine to ask about the DNC, but not about Biden. So Biden is now Biden is running for the Democratic nomination, right? That's well, for 2020. He, that, so that, are you, that's, are a, you that's a hypothetical because that did not happen here. No, no, but, but I would ask you. No, no. On the call, the president did ask about investigating the Bidens. Are you saying that the money that was held up, that that had nothing to do no, with the, the yeah, Bidens? No, the, the money held up had absolutely nothing to do with Biden. There's no question. And, and that was the point I made to you. And you're drawing a distinction. You're saying now, that it would be wrong three, three factors. Again, I was, I was involved with the, uh, the process by which the money was held up temporarily. Okay. Three issues for that. The corruption in the country, whether or not other countries were participating in the support of the Ukraine, and whether or not they were cooperating in an ongoing investigation with our Department of Justice. That's completely legitimate. And it's basically a restatement of what uh, the president has said to date. More on this and a couple of the other topics. We're pleased to be joined by our friend Brett Baer, Fox News anchor, host of Special Report, weekdays, 5 p.m. Chicago time. The author of a new book, Three Days at the Brink, FDR's Daring Gamble to Win World War II. It's being released October 22nd, and Brett Baer will return like MacArthur to Chicago. Yes. He'll be at the University Club on October 23rd at 7 p.m., and I have privileges at the University Club, Amy, so I'll take you as my guest wow. if you want to go. Oh, I can be your and one? Yes. Finally, I've waited eight years. You're welcome. I have arrived. Brett Baer, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we'll see you there. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Always good to have uh, Brett in town and uh, University Club as uh, dignified confines for a gentleman of Brett Baer's stature. Uh, so what about this uh, reporting? The uh, I, I, I don't even know why we're talking about whether or not there was a quid pro quo, because Adam Schiff says it doesn't need you don't need one. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, listen, there's all kinds of parsing of not only the phone call, which we have the transcripts, but what we are hearing about testimony behind closed doors, which we don't have the transcript, and the White House press briefing, which we all saw with our own eyes, and we have the transcript. So, um, you know, it's almost like a Rorschach test. You, you look at it, and some people see different things. I will say, when, when Mulvaney went into the cul-de-sac of uh, DNC corruption and whether the money was held up to that, pressed on that again by Jonathan Carl. He, he did a rhetorical dance that became a soundbite. And you're right to yeah. play the whole thing in context. But when playing the soundbite, it sure does sound like he says, yeah, that we do that quid pro quo all the time. Well, um, and, and, and well, then he went the on to say, get over it. I mean, well, he said, get over it. Because, I mean, here, he gave other examples. Look, when we said to the Northern Triangle countries, we're withholding uh, a foreign aid to you until, unless you cooperate with us with respect to uh, migrants coming from Central America up through Mexico to our border. Uh, it, I mean, Scott Adams tweeting yesterday uh, on the announcement of the ceasefire between the Turks and the Kurds, if there actually is one, but nonetheless, Turkey is interfering with our elections by caving into Trump's extortion. So Trump says, I'm going to destroy your economy if you don't. Then there's a ceasefire. No, no foreign aid unless you help with migration. Then they help with migration, and then there's foreign aid. I mean, yeah, Mulvaney's point. Know, ben, but none yeah. of those... None of those examples involve someone he's possibly running against. And they're trying to separate the Biden part of it. Well, it sounds great, but it is part of it. And on that call, he does talk about Biden and Hunter Biden and the prosecutor who was fired and the whole controversy of that. So 
you can take it and put it in a box on the side, but it is part of it. Yeah, it's part of it. And those examples don't have that as that does, they don't have that aspect of it. But, 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 but Mulvaney but, tried to walk it back even last night after he made the statement. Right. Yeah, he right. put out a statement, and um, you know, I, I listen. You can again parse these words. Mulvaney is not the focus of the impeachment, but I guarantee you, he's going to be called up now. Yeah. Right. No question. But. But, I mean, the, the, the context, and going back to the transcript we do have, as you were suggesting, is still uh, cooperate with DOJ and their 2016 look back. Yeah, that's the first thing he says. And, you know, a lot of people who are covering this thing leave out about 500 words between the, uh, between the two sentences. So, um, listen, the, the Democrats are trying to stay focused. They are trying to stay laser-focused on this. They think the, the public understands it and why it's a problem. Uh, if a president held over a country's head for an aid because he was trying to look, dig up dirt on an opponent, it's simple. It's a one-sentence thing. The problem is, is that they have a cornucopia of options. Now the president has thrown in the G7 at Doral, and it's, you know, Democrats are frothing over the, the top because they can't they can't focus enough just on the Ukraine. They want to throw in emoluments and everything else. Yeah. Good, good luck. Uh, keep making emoluments pithy enough to uh, whip the public <laughs> into a frenzy. Uh, I mean, not that it should be dismissed out of hand, but I'm just saying, you know, the problem is on all these topics, the, the, the Democrats are living in a glass house, including the guy they're rallying to defend right now, Joe Biden. I mean, you, so the argument is some sort of a personal enrichment through public office. Uh, let, let me introduce you to the Clintons. Let me introduce you to the Bidens, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, don't throw stones in glass houses. But I, I think um, with and it's unique in a president who has a business operation, you know, as vast and kind of touching so many things as the Trumps did. I mean, the kids have had their own businesses prior to coming into uh, coming into public office uh, with their father. And so it's a different animal than Hunter Biden starting a company that coincides with the trip on Air Force Two to China. The, the, I want to uh, switch gears a bit and, and talk a little bit about media. Your uh, former colleague and friend, Megan Kelly, uh, made an appearance this week on uh, your another colleague show, Tucker Carlson. We talked a little bit about what she had to say about yeah, media. She, she crushed it. I mean, four million viewers. That's great. Uh, well, people are happy to see her back and hear what she had to say. And, and I thought some of her comments on media, not dissimilar to uh, Matt Taibbi, uh, some of his comments, Rolling Stone uh, uh, writer who is also a man of the left. And, uh, and, and against the backdrop of ABC News this week confusing Kentucky for Syria, uh, I thought her comments, uh, Megyn Kelly's comments, were very interesting about uh, about the media where, you know, we've always known that the media, the D.C. press corps is, you know, 90, 10 left of left versus right. And just in terms of how they vote. Um, but the difference over over the last, uh, uh, well, the last several years, uh, most notably during Trump's presidency, is that the uh, veneer has been stripped off and now it's full on activism uh, it's not uh, just our leftist perspective on the world informs our coverage. Yeah, I think she made a great point, and um, I thought it was great to see her on the air. Um, the issue is that, and we've talked about it here before, every time somebody goes over their skis because they're emotionally somehow attached to what Donald Trump is doing, saying, 
tweeting, uh, and that bleeds into your on-air coverage, then you lose, you know, at least 40% of the country of thinking that you're covering it fairly. And at some point, it changed. And I don't know whether it was soon after the inauguration. Um, at some point, it was like, forget it. Who cares? This is it. You know, and some organizations have decided that that's the way to go. And I, I think that that's the wrong calculus if you're trying to present news to the entire country. Uh, and as you uh, as you see this uh, play out, uh, one of the things uh, going back to that ABC News example, confusing Kentucky for Syria, it, it's more than just, oh, well, correction, we made a mistake. Cheryl Atkinson had a good piece on this, too. Um, th- that demands more questions about process at ABC News. Uh, wh- wh- how the heck did that happen? Yeah, how did you, what, I mean, what, who, where'd the video come from? How did you make the decision to air it? Um, what were the questions that were asked about the uh, integrity of the video before you made the decision? I mean, well, it, the writer and editor should be fired, and nothing has come out well, if they have been. But, but the, the, the the sort of the, the was it just we hope this is true, and so we're going to go with it, and hope we don't have to ask for forgiveness. Is that the new standard? I mean, part of this is trying to figure out how these news organizations actually work without having to have uh, James O'Keefe do undercover videos at all of them. Yeah. And it's a fair point. I mean, if we make a mistake, we get out there right away and tell you how it happened, why it happened. Um, ABC didn't do that. And it was um, surprising, frankly. And uh, and obviously, then you have the president tweeting about it, which takes on a different you know, aspect. What happens is, is that when when some news organizations do some things that, you know, make something look worse, it doesn't always it, it never goes the other way. There's never a mistake that makes Trump look good. <laughs> it's always a mistake that makes him look bad. So then, you know, when something happens and there is a mistake, but it goes that way, the president jumps on it and it fuels his kind of you know, fake news mantra that he uses sometimes for fake news, but sometimes for things he doesn't like about his administration. But I mean, yeah. the Chiron too said slaughter in Syria, and it was a gun range in Kentucky where no one died. But just so you know, that gun range says business is up, Brett Bear, because of all this. And at least somebody got I'm something. Sure. Yeah, no, yeah. they said thank you for all the free I'm advertising, sure. ABC News. We couldn't have paid for this. <laughs> uh, speaking... Very exciting video on ABC. Uh, speaking of uh, getting out over your skis. Uh, Trump's reaction to the announcement of the five-day ceasefire yesterday, suggesting that uh, you know this is something that uh, people have been trying to achieve for a decade, and we've made it happen, and this is a great day for civilization, and so on and so forth. I mean, I, I think everybody's happy when uh, people aren't killing each other, but uh, a five-day temporary ceasefire, uh, perhaps a little bit out over his skis with respect to the importance of this and and the the uh, how how long it will actually last well we'll see we'll see i mean tuesday is the deadline um i erdogan does not have a great track record uh the turks are basically trying to move the kurds out of this 20 miles quote unquote safe zone but it happens to be towns where the kurds have lived so it seems to me that Erdogan may have written the art of the deal at some point um, <laughs> because he seems to have gotten a pretty good deal, at least so far. Now, anytime people aren't killing anybody, that is a good thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, when he said, the president said, 
sometimes you have to let them fight it out on the sandlot. Uh, it, it really was something because we had Turkish planes bombing near U.S. soldiers. We had Kurdish allies who have helped us with ISIS uh, getting killed. It's not exactly the sandlot. So yeah. I think that there's, there's, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. You know, it's good to hear that they're not fighting now. He is Brett Baer, Fox News anchor, special report, of course, weekdays, 5 p.m. Chicago time. The book, Three Days at the Brink, FDR's Daring Gamble to Win World War II, released on October 22nd. Get it on Amazon. And you can hear Brett Baer and see Brett Baer at the University Club on October 23rd at 7 p.m. Brett Baer, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Okay. See you guys. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com.